Welcome back to the Doggy Juice Pod, changing the way you think as a sports better. This is episode number 75, Thursday, February 6th, 2020. Another milestone here at Doggy Juice headquarters with podcast number 75, the Diamond episode. And this will be your official Doggy Juice 2020 Oscars preview pod. Last night, I sat down for an interview with my best friend, Craig, who lives out in L.A. and has had numerous jobs in Hollywood, including gigs working for Conan O'Brien, DreamWorks Animation, Universal Studios, and other projects with prominent production companies. He's super plugged into the pulse of Hollywood and also had some thoughts on Kobe Bryant's legacy and how L.A. is grieving for its fallen star. Uh, Craig came on to preview the Oscars last year, and he did a great job, so I think you all really enjoyed that one. But before I dive into that interview, a special congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs on winning Super Bowl 54 this past Sunday in an instant classic. William Hill was offering the Chiefs at plus 575 in-game when they were down 20-10 to 10 late uh, before Patrick Mahomes and company came storming back in that epic comeback. That last touchdown by Damian Williams, when he should have just fallen down, really burned a lot of betters, especially those with 49ers teasers. What a moose that one was. But uh, that also helped a lot of people who were crazy enough to tease the total over, too. So, But it was a great game. I know a lot of sharps killed it in the props department. And it was actually interesting to see like a lot of states, um, obviously 14 states, were taking legal regulated betting uh, for this year's Super Bowl, and not all of them won, so it's, it's pretty interesting to look look around. New Jersey reported another loss for the second straight year. Pennsylvania reported a loss. A lot of that was due to promotions, but um, Nevada, obviously, they, they reported their second biggest win of all time, but the game was great. Um, it was a lot of fun. Hope you all enjoyed watching it, and, and uh, the usual props that I play every year and that I featured on last week's pod, those all for the most part, hit, including the second half outscore in the first half, three unanswered scores by one team, uh, no overtime, the shortest touchdown under one and a half yards, and no onside kick. Those all came through for us. Kittles over props did not come through, but both of our quarterback passing yards uh, under, both, both those props cashed. So it was another very nice day betting the Super Bowl over here at Doggy Juice headquarters, putting a bow on another fun and profitable NFL season. That one went fast, didn't it? I mean, geez, September 5th, the first day of the 2019 NFL season. That literally feels just like yesterday, but it'll be time to start handicapping next season before we all know it. All right, so without further ado, as I said earlier, last night I sat down and interviewed Hollywood Craig while he weaved through L.A. traffic on his way home from work to talk about the 92nd Academy Awards taking place this Sunday night out in La La Land. We experienced a few technical issues during the recording, and the audio changed a bit after Craig left his car. He was in and out of his car like running errands during it, so apologies for that in advance. And his newborn baby also makes an appearance towards the end of the interview, too. Uh, but the info he shared with me is it's golden. I think it was really insightful and important for anyone who's planning to bet on the Oscars this weekend. So hope you all enjoy. Here it is. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am here with the one and only Craig, my best friend. Or I, I should actually preface this. Uh, I said that you were my best friend on last year's pod when I brought you on. And then my little brother, Marco, who's my other best friend, heard the podcast. He got really mad, and he like texted me. He's like, I thought we were, we were best friends, man. So my, my co-friend, Craig, out in Los Angeles. How's it going, dude? 
He's such a little bitch, your brother. <laughs> Get your own friends, jerk. <laughs> How you doing? Uh, uh, things are good, man. Things are good. Life's good. Um, yeah, no complaints. Last time, you? last time I had you on the pod was almost exactly a year ago for the same thing, the Oscar break, Oscars breakdown, Academy Awards, uh, and you were... You've had a big life change since that time. Uh, you you became a dad in November. Did beautiful I baby, did. beautiful baby uh, who I still have yet to meet. But, um, but yeah, so congratulations to you, all, all doggy juice pod listeners. Congratulate Craig on his on his uh, new newly found fatherhood. But um, we're, we're catching Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate all the congratulations that I will soon get from all podcast listeners. I, I'm setting the over under at zero and a half congratulations that you're going to get. As okay, we... that's uh, that's <laughs> you know hurtful odds, but yeah. understandable. <laughs> but but they're the true odds nonetheless. So so we're catching you right now driving through LA traffic. Th- thanks for coming on. I know you're you have yeah. a very busy schedule right now with the you know being a dad, juggling the job, and and juggling LA yeah, traffic. Well, hey, my car is my second home here in LA. So. <laughs> yeah, well, it just gives you more time to. Uh, Th- I mean, what, what do you usually do with all that extra? I mean, I've always kind of wondered that you just, there's a lot of podcasts, there's a lot of more music. A lot of podcasts, a lot of um, music, a lot of um, alone time, which uh, can be detrimental to my mental health, but um, I get through it okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, you know, it's uh, it's just, it's honestly a lot of rage and trying to. Um, bury that rage yeah um, but I do use the horn indiscriminately um, as opposed to many people out here <laughs> I know I've driven with you out there before a couple times and it's uh, you definitely let people hear it when they deserve it so it's, you know, Absolutely. it's, it's endearing and a lot of them do deserve it but speaking about emotions this is a perfect segue here uh, speaking like about emotions and people in LA Obviously, you and I are huge basketball fans, and, and and I mean, you and I growing up together, we you know we worship Michael Jordan, and we're obsessed with the Bulls and and you know with basketball in general. And and now you're out in L.A. and obviously Kobe Bryant, the you know the terrible event that, that happened a week and a half ago uh, with the helicopter crash. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on on Kobe, how he maybe impacted your life growing up, because I, I know he did have a big impact on you and. And also how, what you've seen out in L.A. with, you know, just the people must be crushed out there. And what's it like out there? Um, personally, you know, Kobe, as just a basketball fan and a, a lover of the game, um, you know, his personal life aside, uh, I, you know, I, I had immense respect and admiration for Kobe Bryant, you know, I, amidst all the conversations that have existed in the past, you know, um, you know, 10 years or, you know, a little less that, you know, between who's the best player, Kobe or, um, Jordan or LeBron, Jordan or LeBron, you know, to me, it's, it's almost disrespectful prior to his passing, obviously Mm -hmm. that Kobe hasn't been a part of that conversation. Um, you know, I don't think that obviously some of his numbers match up to LeBron, but his influence on 
the current state of the NBA is is undeniable. I mean, you're you're not only have we seen it face to face lately with all the young stars coming out and talking about how influential he was to them and how he impacted their lives. You know, I mean, the the game the game goes in shifts, and and you know, I've seen more of a I saw more of a shift when Kobe started and when Kobe became a powerhouse in the NBA than I did when LeBron established himself. Um, I think, you know, LeBron has impacted the game tremendously, but I think, I think Kobe is just, um, he's just a different beast entirely. I think Mm -hmm. his persona, um, his persona was, was unmistakable. And unlike LeBron, transitioning into Kobe's impact on this city, L.A., you know, Kobe represents and represented Los Angeles. Um, I think LeBron was briefly representing um, his hometown of Cleveland, but with the way he played that whole situation, you know, I don't think he'll ever be you know, remembered as defining a a city quite like Kobe defined Los Angeles. And and very for, true. For Kobe Bryant to do that in a city made of stars, um, that's impressive on a whole different level. That is you know, so we're talking, about, we're talking about a city that, that at least just in the basketball sense, has legends, you know, that that haunt this city till this very day, living and dead. And um, luckily, most of them are living. You know, you have Kareem and you have um, Magic and and um, yeah, even like Jerry and West, West and Jerry West. You know, and but but the fact that somebody like Kobe Bryant could come into a city that's already established its basketball legacy. Um, and to redefine that legacy, it, it, redefine that team is is an impact that very few, if any, players have truly ever had. I mean, you have players like, honestly, you you can't even count on probably. It's going to be hard to count on one hand the amount of players that have actually done that. You know, mm-hmm. Jordan, for as great as he is, he's the greatest basketball player of all time. He didn't. He defined the Bulls. He didn't have to redefine because the Bulls didn't really do much prior to his coming on board. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, same goes for you know. I would say Larry Bird is one because Boston was a well-established program with legends mm-hmm. before him, but he reinvigorated that franchise. And and yeah. you know, I think I think it's it, it's it's so impossible to do that and Kobe didn't even set out to do that he just set out to be as great as he could be and the impact on the city has been um astronomical I mean it's it's I walked into the office on Monday and I'm surrounded by you know the day after he passed and I'm surrounded by LA fans I mean everybody's a Laker fan and you know you could feel a sense of mourning and a sense of loss for a bunch of people who didn't know him personally, but were forever impacted by him. And I think, 
I think more than I honestly think that this city will miss him more than the game of basketball will, sadly, because mm-hmm. I think the game of basketball moves on so quickly, um, especially when Kobe's been out of this greatest player of all time conversation for so long. I think this city will forever be indebted to him and will forever be, will have that era of, of basketball that will never be able to go away. For yeah. And it's I mean, the same goes for us, like in Chicago, like the nineties bulls, like, you know, that defined that team defined our lives in that city to find that city. We're still, you know, reeling from it. We still brag about how great that team is, but right. Uh, right. you know, it, we we have been so bad for so long now that it's almost like a joke. Yeah, it's been twenty two years. It's, it's been twenty two years since the Bulls have won a title. Kobe's career was twenty years, you know, and it's like, you know, right. enough's enough as a Bulls fan. But dude, I, I've heard Kobe like tributes the past week and a half, like you know, literally nonstop. And I, I'm not shitting you, like that might have been the best one I've heard so far, and it's right here on the Doggy Juice Pod. Courtesy. No, I mean that that could not have been better put, man. I'm like, just from what I've everything I've heard from people out there, you're kind of like reinforcing that his it's just his impact on the city as a whole was meant so much more. That's what that's what's gonna be still standing, you know, long after our days at and stuff. It's still gonna his legacy in L.A. and the impact he had on that whole community there is is really what's gonna you know just last way past our lifetimes. So absolutely, I mean, you still have you have players even to date that have been on or are currently on the Lakers that haven't had the kind of impact he has. I mean, Shaq was on the Lakers was, you know, there with Kobe, you know, for, for many a championship and he doesn't, you know, represent this city. And I mean, even somebody like magic Johnson, I mean, he, he is still a very defining personality here in LA and will always be, but the the type of impact Kobe had was just different. Mm-hmm. It felt like it felt like for the first time, like it's it, like a player on the Lakers was almost accessible. Whereas like Magic Johnson is Magic Johnson. I mean, even his even his name is otherworldly. It's like you can't touch somebody like that. But I think with Kobe, even though he was in in the all-star beyond belief, he made sure that he was as ingrained as the city into the city as the city was into him. Mm-hmm. He like transformed things. I mean, like and us as like Chicago bulls, you know, Michael Jordan fans and stuff like I always kind of gravitated towards him just because of that, you know, the whole Mamba mentality thing. Like he had that, that, that X factor that like, you know, like there's guys that come like generational talents. And I, I touched on this on last week's podcast. So I'm not going to like belabor it, but, but like, you know, you see guys with his talent level come around. I mean, he's, his talent level is obviously rare and unique, but you have to have that, that competitive drive that, and, and also just, I mean, it's how do I put this? Like the, the competitive drive that MJ had obviously was at a whole nother level, but Kobe, I think was the one who you could maybe say had, closest to that level or at least for me watching him as a fan um you know he just had that like you know i was i will never back down to anybody kind of determination that you know you, you just see it a bit from lebron but i don't know if lebron has it at the same level as kobe and 
you know, we could, people could talk about that forever, but, but like, honestly, Kobe just had that, that, that drive, that X factor that I only saw in Jordan. So I guess in a, in a way I saw a lot of Michael Jordan and Kobe, which, you know, coming from me and you, and, and you know, this, like, that's the biggest compliment you can ever give someone as coming from two guys, who just worship Michael Jordan growing up. All right, Craig. So the reason why I brought you on the pod was to discuss the Oscars this Sunday. They're at seven o'clock central time, eight o'clock Eastern. Um, obviously way out in LA where you're at, it's going to be at five o'clock that math right there. But, um, so you can actually bet on this stuff on draft Kings, East coast, you can actually bet on the Oscars there. Obviously, um, offshore, you can also find a lot of odds on, on the Academy Awards. Uh, the big story this year from a betting perspective, and I should preface this before continuing, uh, to all the dog and juice pop listeners, Craig, Craig's not like a, a better per se. Um, I know you don't bet on these yourself, but nobody that I know knows more about the movie industry than you. I mean, Craig's had multiple, multiple jobs in the industries, a lot of, a lot of ins, um, and his, his wife also works in the industry. So they're very plugged into all of the happenings and, and Craig in the past has been very spot on with, with a lot of his Oscar predictions. So, um, since we're trying to make money here and find value, um, I know last year you, you had some really good insights on on the Oscars, so I'm gonna try and find that again this year. But the big the big storyline on the on the Academy Awards is, is kind of how the, the four main acting categories this year are, are like a done deal, at least according to the, the betting market. I mean, for Best Actor, um, Joaquin Phoenix for for the Joker, I, I saw him at minus twenty five hundred, which means you got to bet twenty five dollars to win one dollar um, on him uh, winning that award. Adam Driver. For Marriage Story, he's like the only one with an outside chance. He's seven to one. Um, yeah. Renee Zellweger, she's for Judy. She's sitting at minus fifteen hundred, so fifteen bucks wins you one. Looks like Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story is is the only one with a realistic chance. Maybe Cynthia Erivo and Harriet, and then Brad Pitt and Laura Dern for the uh, supporting categories. Those are both. I mean, Brad Pitt's yeah. minus twenty hundred and Laura Dern's. Minus twenty two hundred. I mean, it looks like those are a done deal. But I, I'll ask you this: If one of those four is not going to win, which one do you think does not win of those? You know, of those four main acting categories. It's hard because initially I would have said at the beginning of like award season when these nominations were starting to come out for all these various uh, you know border reviews or you know uh, other awards. Um, you know, I would have probably said best actor. Why don't you, you should hold off on uh, on counting Joaquin Phoenix as the winner. But it's only because it's such a political system in Hollywood, and he's rubbed a lot of people the wrong way for many years. Mm-hmm. But his road show has been absolutely incredible, and he has been uh, he has been woke as fuck, and that's what the Academy mm-hmm. likes. He just had that big um, speech for the BAFTAs where he called out the category for being um, all white, uh, and that was a big, uh, a big um, trending moment for him. And you know, I think he's done a hell of a job uh, redefining himself in Hollywood, um, at least to the Hollywood elites that are voting in this. So I think he's a lock. Um, as far as the rest of the categories go. You know, personally, I don't think Renee Zellweger um, is necessarily the best actress in that category. However, I think that category 
I hate to say it's probably the weakest of the mm-hmm. four. Um, they did not nominate Lupita Nyong'o, who arguably gave the best performance of the year. Um, and the Academy has gotten a lot of flack for not nominating her, um, for us. But, uh, I think, I think that they're all pretty much locked up. I don't, if I were to guess, I mean, uh, I would say maybe, I don't know, maybe Brad Pitt doesn't win. You know, I, I, I highly doubt it. He's won every other thing, but you know, they always like to throw one random wrench in there and Brad Pitt's been, <laughs> been around for so long and has been nominated for so many times. The Academy could go, well, he'll win it again. And, and it wasn't like he was playing that much different than himself in one See, upon the, a time. The, the thing about that though, is like the next best odd, you know, the next two on the list I'm seeing here, you know, in terms of odds are, are Joe Pesci and Al Pacino. You know what I mean? Right. So like, and those guys well, have been around the block. But, but has Joe Pesci won one before? Do you know? Um, I yes, he won for Goodfellas. Okay, so yeah, I mean, it's, um, obviously him and Pacino. Here's the thing, like, I will say this right now to all the podcast listeners. Um, there, in my opinion, I don't think I've ever in my life, uh, which I know has not been very long, I have never seen a more stacked. Um, acting category than supporting actor this year. I mean, there's not one person on that list of five that is not a living Hollywood legend. Mm-hmm. You know, when Brad Pitt is going to win against Al Pacino, Danny DeVito, or, um, Joe Pesci, Danny, Joe Pesci. I mix them up too. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> bald short men. Um, uh, Anthony Hopkins and Tom Hanks. I mean, I mean, you're wow. fucking joking. Like that is, that's like God amongst God's amongst men, um, as far as acting goes. But I think the the acting categories aren't going to be that exciting. Though I think for many it'll be exciting for them to see, you know, Joaquin and and uh, Laura Dern and Brad Pitt win these awards because you know they've been a long time coming for those uh, mm-hmm. three. Uh, I think Renee Zellweger is just in this really fortunate position where she's playing uh, a storied legend in Hollywood and everyone loves that that's voting. Um, She also Mm -hmm. sang, which is also something that the rest of the category doesn't have. uh, And she's also had a resurgence in her career and she's doing exactly what Joaquin's doing, which is, you know, redefining themselves for Hollywood, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, this yeah. it's it seems just like a, a lock across the board. I mean, it's and it, you know, it's it, it's exciting, and that's the other thing we have to like talk about. It. I mean, I know I mentioned it last year on when we recorded this is for these award shows when you're betting on them. Obviously, what we think our opinions mean absolutely nothing from the betting a- aspect. It's we have to tap into the minds of the people deciding this, and obviously the the, Holly, the Hollywood Forum Press. Um, I believe. I mean, who's? I mean, I know it's. It totally depends on. You know, well, it's not the Hollywood Foreign Press they, for this. They, they, they do. They do the um the Golden Globe. Golden Globe. Yeah, yeah. This so is that's the Academy. Great. The Academy is made up of um winners, past winners. Um, so each category has its own set of uh um uh voters um that get to uh get like 
essentially more votes, I think, than the rest. Like, so if you're a cinematographer and you won, you your vote counts slightly different, I think, than, you know, if Tom Hanks, when he votes for cinematography. Mm-hmm. Um, See, that's interesting. But, and, that, and that's like, that's what matters. Because like when, I, when handicapping, and I'm loosely saying handicapping the, the Golden Globes, and obviously that's a different animal entirely dealing with the Hollywood Foreign Press. Totally. For something like this. And that's why you see a lot of surprises because a lot of people think, okay, this, this, you know, this movie or this actor or, or this cinematographer, what have you, they won and the, they won the golden globe, but that absolutely doesn't mean anything. No, the golden globe means absolutely nothing, uh, compared to when it comes to predicting the Oscars. Um, so, which say like, I would look at, I would look at things like, you know, um, any one of the major, uh, board set, reviews, set. like the, well, like, yeah, sure, look at SAG for acting, but if you're looking for, like, overalls, you know, you want to look at the National Border Review, you want to look at the New York Times, you want to look at, um, you know, those those ones that are not televised, um, you know, BAFTAs, BAFTAs are televised, but, um, you know, not really, I think they're, like, a week late here in the States um, when they're televised, but, uh, you know, you want to look at those... You want to look at those, like, in any one of the magazines or newspapers, like L.A. Times. You want to look at those because those are, like, those are informing the voters of what to be on the lookout for um, and what to go watch. You know, because you have to keep in mind that, and something that a lot of people don't realize is, like, you get flooded with screeners when you're... Um, a part of the Academy voting process. You get flooded with every single movie. You get sent screeners or codes to view it online. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people don't have the time to go and watch every single movie that ends up nominated. That's why, in my opinion, you didn't get Lupita Nyong'o voted for, uh, voted in as a nominee for best actress, because a lot of people get, freaked out by horror films they don't want to watch horror so they're going to go ahead and they're going to skip that screener and they'll move on to a 1917 or something like that that's more um accessible for Mm -hmm. them Mm -hmm. um the academy is also made up of older people so you know when you're when you're handicapping this you got to think like what would my what do my parents like what do my grandparents like you know think (laughs) about like and honestly, because yeah. I, I can tell you how many times I've loved a movie so much and my parents disagree and they end up like last year. Perfect example. I thought Green Book was as mediocre a movie as they come. Um, <laughs> and yet my parents fucking adored it. And clearly the Academy did, too. It's just like it's not about what is actually great it's what is most accessible right. that's i mean that's point. why shakespeare and love wins that's why exactly that's why miss marissa tomei wins like it's not a mistake that the more accessible the movie or the part you know those are the ones that are going to get the attention i mean if if I can digest a movie easily in an hour and a half and it's an enjoyable experience, I'm probably going to want to vote for that movie over a 
three-hour, you know, non-Scorsese epic, mm-hmm. you know, depending on the movie. Um, so, yeah, just um, err on the side of that when you're, when you're betting. Oh, that's, um, because, that's key, yeah. Yeah, because there will and, be surprises. There always is. Always is. So let, let's try Let's try and nail some of those surprises. Cause obviously the ones we have already talked about seem to be, I mean, they're locks. And if, you know, if people feel strongly the other way, you can make quite a bit of money right now. Uh, fly over to the East coast and bet at DraftKings on uh, one of those underdogs in the acting categories. It looks like that's a lock and another quick lock. It looks like, I mean, just heavy, heavy steam on Sam Mendez. He's now minus 27. I mean, I, I'm seeing minus 900 at some offshores, but I heard he's minus 27. I mean, 27 bucks wins you $1. It's basically unbettable now that he wins best director for 1917. And it looks like Bong Jun Ho. Sorry if I mispronounce it, mm-hmm. but, not, but for parasite, he's the only, you know, he's at plus four fifty, And and that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about is, is 1917. I, I still have yet to see yeah, it. I, I didn't see it uh, before. I still, I still haven't either, but it, and, and that, that looks, I mean, there's been heavy, I mean, heavy steam on 1917. It was, you know, you can get it at plus money just a couple months ago, but now I'm looking at it's, it's minus 300 in that range. Uh, basically the market's saying there's more than a 75% chance that that, that that sure, movie wins. Here's um, what I will say. Do not count out the steam that is. Parasite. Parasite, yes. That's what it, that's is, down. That's that's down to plus three hundred now. Heavy steam on, on Parasite. Um, I would if I were if I were a betting man, I would it's gonna be hard because you're you're considering a foreign language film for best picture versus a film about war, which mm-hmm. you know, if there's ever been an Oscar darling, it's a war film. Um, but We've seen plenty of times, especially in recent memory, where the two categories are split. Sam Mendes gets Best Director to say, what a fantastic movie, you did an amazing job, and then Parasite wins Best Picture. You know, I mean, Dynamite. I, I, I can see it as, as clear as day. Now, will it happen? Uh, only, obviously, we'll find out on Sunday. But I think Parasite is the... Uh, the hidden, um, the hidden gem in there that I think if you're a betting person, you want to be on the lookout for for that movie. Uh, and that's the thing. Like, there, there, there has been plenty of betting people this past three, even two or three days, who have shared that notion and bet that line down accordingly, like heavily. Like there's heavy steam on. Uh, uh, so every there are people that have the you know that have actually done just that. What, what you're saying right now over the past few days. So. Yeah. I thought that sucked away a lot of the value out of it, but it looks, you know, Parasite now, I mean, and this does, I mean, you were mentioning Shakespeare in Love just now, and it does have that like, kind of feel to it where, you know, Saving Private Ryan in 1917, both epic war movies. And well, I mean, not, not to say that, that Shakespeare in Love and... uh and, yeah, two totally different. Yeah, there's totally different movies, but do you know what I mean? Like, it's the same, like, holy crap, like, you know, this is something well, new, different. That that is true, but, I mean, the thing about today's day and age is like, are we seeing the decline in the popularity of the war film? Because Parasite is very much a social commentary. And as we've seen in Hollywood, especially, um, social issues are paramount to political issues. Um, and in fact, social issues become political issues here in Hollywood. So 
to see a social commentary like a movie like Parasite is an interesting bet because the Academy is very, you know, they they pretend to have their thumb on the pulse of uh, this country and what's happening in this country, and there's been a lot of, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, rise in racism and, and, and bigotry lately. And, you know, for a, a Korean film to win best picture, it could be a big, you know, um, uh, fuck you to the, you know, alt-right, if you will. Uh, and Hollywood loves to stick a middle finger at their opposition. So, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that's, that, yeah. that's exactly it. I mean, that's, that's exactly like, and all that steam we're seeing in that movie is like supporting that, that notion. So it's, I mean, you know, even like a month or two, I think a lot of people would have thought that's like way out of left field, but it's totally, I mean, it makes too much sense almost. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I think everything, I'm totally buying what you're saying there. And, and, um, and that that, is a very much, and that's why it won the SAG for ensemble. That is very much an ensemble movie. It's not one star shines over the others. It's very much an ensemble movie. I mean, the fact that that movie beat out a movie like once upon a time in Hollywood, which has, almost an endless list of, of big name stars in it. And it's actually a fantastic film and it's directed by one of America's greatest talents in the history of cinema. I mean, the fact that parasite beat that out, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, Quentin Tarantino, it, it is, it's undeniable to see what parasite can do at the Academy Awards. So uh, other categories for Parasite now, because I, I'm feeling what you're saying there on the Parasite being like a legitimate, you know, uh, not underdog anymore as much, but, you know, uh, you know to steal the show from 1917. But um, best original screenplay, Parasite is now, there's heavy yeah. steam on, on Parasite there too. Now I'm seeing minus 200, uh, Once Upon a Time is plus 140. It was the favorite, but just this yeah. recent steam on Parasite, I mean, basically... Now, now betters are saying, "Hey, this is you know six, you know two thirds chance. This is in that range that, that that's going to win." Well, so, I mean, uh, that's the thing is like Tarantino's won that category before, you know. So what are you gonna are you gonna award the guy that you've given the award to a couple of times, or are you gonna give it to somebody that is very deserving of it and um is is also uh is also um, not white, you know, mm-hmm. and not known to have a, a crazy-ass foot fetish. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I mean, you're talking about, you know, are, is the Academy going to go with, uh, you know, like I said, I, I think Parasite is 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 the one to look out for. Mm-hmm. In any category it's nominated for, just look out for it. Because Parasite. when an Academy Award voter likes a movie – they tend to vote for it almost across the board, regardless of if, if it's deserving or not. It's good to know too. So parasite, yeah, minus two hundred. I mean, there's there's the steam. Craig's entering his house right now. Clearly, yes. Yeah, sorry. So let's one last thing before I ask for like maybe just your if you have like a crazy prediction or something like that. I could have you finish with any last thoughts you have. But um, there's the 1917, and I know. Uh, you're you're planning to see it still before the Oscars, and I, I'm planning to do the same. But it looks like 1917 is a, a, a lock to win Best Cinematography. I mean, it's seen oh, minus, well, it's Roger Deakins. It's uh, <laughs> he's arguably the greatest cinematographer of all time. I mean, so, yeah. I mean, that's, he, shot, he shot almost every single. I think every single 
Sam Mendes movie, but one. Wow. Um, I mean, that, so, that's, that looks like the biggest lock on the board in terms of oh, yeah. the betting odds of that. But but I don't know if you've heard, and it's okay if you haven't heard any of this, but um, it, 1917 is also the favorite for a few other technical categories like best visual effects, um, best sound mixing. Hey, Craig's baby. Best sound mixing <laughs> and editing. Uh, it's it's sitting at a pretty big favorite for those, but I don't know if you've heard anything out in Hollywood about maybe another movie potentially stealing one of those categories from 1917, like best sound mixing, um, editing, or best visual effects. Like uh, I mean, like it's going to be hard to beat that movie because if it doesn't win best picture, it'll win those categories. Um, I just uh, I just think that like the only other movies that you want to go with is probably maybe I think Avengers. Is nominated in yeah. those categories. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're um, right. Avengers is you know, the second shortest shot at in visual effects. Yes, that's the yes. next one. So I would I would go with Avengers if not 1917. But you know, it's here's the the thing with the Academy again is like because they're an older crowd, they they respect when a sound designer can create from scratch realistic war sounds. Um. And especially an intimate movie like I've heard 1917 is, as far as a war film goes, you know, um, to keep it intimate and to design sound still encompassing war versus, you know, made up sounds that are just, (laughs) you know, whatever the comics and the characters call for. Um, I mean, still incredible, incredible work um, and arguably a whole different skill set. But, you know, I... The, the war films tend to win those categories because mm-hmm. um, we know those sounds and we are much quicker to judge them based on that. We don't know what sounds an alien makes. You know what I mean? We keep making it up every time we do a movie <laughs> about them. So, you know. Um, As your baby spits up on your shirt. <laughs> yeah, right? I know. <laughs> hey, yeah. Quinn, do you have uh, any predictions? Yeah, so get, get Quinn, just to finish up here, get, give me yours and Quinn. Uh, little three three month old Quins. Yes, uh, three month old. Um, still can not make out full shapes. Um, <laughs> he uh, his favorite movie is uh, probably what would you say, uh, Lib? Um, probably. You know what? Honestly, he really uh, he really got a kick out of uh, Joker. He's a sick fuck. This kid. So. Oh. <laughs> um, uh, actually, I, actually, I do have something that's like along those lines of a, of a child. King of comedy. Um, the the Toy Story. So, so actually, this is this is a good way to end. Uh, Toy Story, the best animated feature film, was yes. a huge, huge favorite, huge favorite for a long time. But all of yeah, a sudden, yeah, that's an I mean, interesting like, category. Like, like t- ten days ago, I'm not shitting. Like, there was like minus five thousand. It was it was a lock, just like the cinematographer, you know, for uh, 1917. But all of a sudden, like literally, just the past few days, and th- this is one I should have actually led off with. Klaus is all of a sudden been yeah. down to even money. So now it's almost like the betting market pretty much has it as a, as a coin toss between those two yeah. movies. Do you have any, any insight on well, Klaus or Klaus is Klaus is a very good movie. It's also a movie done on a much, much smaller scale and a much smaller budget. Um, and it's also a way to get Netflix more clout in the Academy, which, you know, considering how much money they're throwing at people that are members of the Academy right now to make shit, um, you know, uh, they want to be in the good graces of Netflix. So throw them a bone. 
Pixar's Pixar's won that category a little too much. Um, <laughs> I love Toy Story four. Uh, I thought it was better than Klaus, but I think Klaus is not only uh, you know a Christmas movie, which is always um, adorable and and easily digestible. Uh, mm-hmm. I also think it's it's a way to say you know listen, you don't have to make a movie that costs um, over one hundred and fifty million dollars in animation. You can make a smaller scale production and still win an Academy Award. And I think it's that's important to note because um, that's an important thing, especially yeah. coming from the world of animation and seeing how much the bigger studios spend on these films. It's refreshing to know that, you know, the smaller indie productions can do it too. And it's, it's almost like endearing, like the D, the DIY type of mindset, like uh, the little engine that could, you know, like against all odds. For sure. And, and let me get, let me like, let me preface this by saying like in no way, um, is the the work done on Klaus any less than uh, the work done on Toy Story Four? Um, it's certainly uh, the same, if not more, um, because what you're doing is you're not able to spend money on so many animators. You're only able to spend it on a certain amount. You're also working overseas, which is its own challenge for a movie like Klaus. They're working with an animation studio that isn't here in the states. Um, there's a lot of challenges that go into making a smaller animated production and the fact that you can succeed the way they have and become not only, um, a, you know, a crowd, a success for the crowds, but also like the, you know, clearly the critics have loved it. I mean, I think it's like 92 on Rotten Tomatoes, um, which for a Netflix animated movie is, is quite impressive. So certainly that is probably my bet it's either going to be that or missing link um, i just wish we i just wish we discussed this a couple weeks ago because i could have maybe even got rich off this because a lot of money came in on klaus the past couple days which is crazy yes, yes. So, so next time we're going to do this interview uh, a couple months <laughs> we should do it a couple months in advance. <laughs> or once, yeah that sounds we, good we, we do an opening lines when the when they're when they first pop on the board in like october before the nominees are going to come out <laughs> and then yeah. we can revisit it because uh i think that's that's gonna have to be our our angle next year moving forward but Craig, that was awesome, dude. Thanks so much for uh, of course. On again. Sorry, it was. Uh, I'm sorry, it was so short lived. But oh, uh, oh, dude, this is great. I hope that my uh, my words will help somebody. I think so, man. Especially the parasite. I think that's the takeaway here is um, kind of confirming what the betting market's been doing on parasite past just the past couple of days. All the steam coming in on that movie. So, oh it's yeah, gonna man, it's gonna be a good watch. You're gonna and uh, obviously gonna be watching partying with with uh, Quinn's first Oscars on Sunday. So. Oh yeah. Hope you enjoy it, and uh, we'll, thank we'll you. be again soon, man. All right. Well, uh, thank you again for having me on. It's always an honor and always a pleasure. Um, happy to be on any time to talk about, you know, it's things that I don't know. So um, <laughs> we'll, we'll get yeah. you on again soon. We'll, we'll bring you on to talk some, like, European soccer. Oh, place. perfect. Uh, straight up no jack shit about that. So um, <laughs> uh, could be fun. That'd be a good time, man. It's always All good right, talking man. to you. All right, dude. Thanks, dude. Take care. Bye. Bye. All right. Thank you very much, Craig. That was terrific. Sorry again for some of the audio issues that we had during that recording. Uh, great stuff from him there, though. If you're looking for even more Oscars betting coverage, we brought in the 
Richard Roper to write an Oscars betting preview over at Bet Chicago and Bet Indiana News, where he gives out how he's playing the Academy Awards this Sunday, so definitely be sure to check that out. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Doggy Juice Pod. College basketball is now going to take over as the main subject matter in future podcasts here over the next two months as we really hit that home stretch and gear up for, for March Madness. It's coming up very soon. I'll be bringing on a few new guests in the next few weeks, including an NBA handicapper that's been on a nice run uh, betting the association this season, and also be on the lookout for plenty of Champions League knockout stage preview pods with me and the boys over at the Top Class Finish podcast over the next couple months. As always, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Doggy Juice, and be sure to leave a rating and a review for the pod over at iTunes. It's always much appreciated. Um, check out the content we have over at Bet Chicago Bet Indiana News. There's lots of great college basketball stuff over there. We're also diving into XFL betting coverage as well, which is really exciting. So be back next week. Enjoy your weekend, and good luck with your bets. Doggy Juice out. <laughs>